0: Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor, Joe Kerr, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the
1: Wall. Maybe you care about Bible prophecy, but you're not sure where to start. Well, this program is just for you. Today, we are joined by Alan Parr, host of The Beat, a popular media outreach covering Christian worldview issues, Bible prophecy, current events, and more. And today, Alan is going to share with us a special crash course on Bible prophecy. We're going to discuss the main events, the main characters, and the main nations in the last days. Alan, welcome to A View from the Wall.
2: Oh, I'm so glad to be a part of this and excited to be on the podcast.
1: Well, we are thrilled to have you with us, and your teachings are a favorite of our ministry founder Scott Townsend, and and you have a tremendous influence on YouTube and social media at your channel The Beat. But some of our listeners may not be familiar with your ministry, so take a moment as we begin to tell us a little bit about your testimony and your program The Beat. Sure
2: thing, yes. So uh, originally uh, born in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and went uh, to school to be an engineer. After that. And I uh, felt like God was calling me into the ministry. So at 24 years of age, I quit my job, went to Dallas Theological Seminary, which we found that we were actually uh, attending around the same time. Yes, we were classmates. Yeah, yeah. Some around the same time, kind of overlapping. And in 2004, um, graduated from DTS and started um, working... Uh, really for different churches as a worship leader, Christian, uh, Christian education pastor, teaching pastor, and basically have been bivocational for the past 15 years, uh, teaching math as well as, uh, doing ministry. And now I'm really leaning a little bit more towards full time as the ministry is picking up. And, um, and I've got a ministry online called the BEAT, which stands for Biblical Encouragement and Truth. And, uh, it's a YouTube channel that reaches people all over the world, and uh, so just excited about what God is doing, both online and offline.
3: You do a number of great programs that we've really enjoyed. And um, one of my favorites was the Book of Revelation in five minutes, which we'll bring you back for that program. But this one, we had fun with 15 things to know about the last days, which you did on your program. And um, people can find out more details and get all of that at the beat. But we decided to break it down into a few last days basics for our watchmen and women for the program today. So do me a favor, just kind of intro that first section that we talked about, the main events of the last days?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, um, obviously, um, I'm coming from a pre-millennial, pre-tribulation view, which I assume that we're we're aligned there, but uh, essentially what I talked about there was just, uh, you know, some of the next um, main events that we can expect on God's eschatological time frame or calendar. And so I talked about, you know, we're in the church age right now, and Uh, We don't know when uh, that age will will end, but the next main event would be the rapture of the Church, as talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as well as 1 Corinthians 15, hinted at a little bit also in John chapter 14 as well. And then after the rapture, it's going to start with the seven-year literal uh, tribulation period, where God is going to uh, unleash a series of judgments on the earth, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then, of course, uh, after the tribulation period, uh, we believe there's going to be uh, a couple of events. Uh, Satan is going to be uh, bound for a thousand years, and then we're going to have the millennial reign of Christ, where believers will join with Christ and reign and rule for a thousand years. Uh, and then, of course, uh, after that there'll be another uh, some judgments, the um, a great white throne judgment, as we see in the book of Revelation, and then we have the new heaven and new earth and eternity. So, Basically, in a minute or so, is kind of that's kind of what we feel is the timeline of events on God's calendar.
1: Well, you make it sound nice and smooth there, but in reality, after the rapture, there will be some dreadful times for those who are left behind on the earth. Tell us a little bit about what actually happens during this tribulation period that occurs.
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, the book of Revelation talks about there's going to be a series of judgments uh, that are going to be unleashed by God. And, you know, some people may ask, well, why is it, right? You know, why, why is it that God is unleashing these judgments? But we have to understand that um, for believers, God has judged sin once and for all on the cross uh, as he, uh, you know, took out his, his judgment and his wrath on his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. But that doesn't take care of his judgment of sin for those who don't believe. And so during that seven-year tribulation, God's wrath is going to be poured out. And so, um, you know, in a series of judgments, the first set is the seal judgments, and this is depicted by John in the book of Revelation where an angel peels off a different seal in God's scroll, and with each uh, seal that is pulled back, there's a different judgment that's going to go forth from the throne of God uh, to the inhabitants of the earth, which, by the way, are those who are going to be left behind who were not raptured, so all those who don't believe in Christ are going to have, by God's grace, another opportunity to believe in Christ. But it's going to be much more difficult, as we'll probably talk a little bit more as we get into this tribulation period. It's going to be a lot more difficult for them to believe. And so we have the seal judgments, and then you have the trumpet judgments. So uh, there's going to be angels that are going to blow a trumpet, as John envisions, and each time a trumpet is blown, there's going to be yet another judgment that's going to go forth from uh, heaven to earth. And then the last set of judgments, is the bowl judgments, and these are going to be very, very severe, Uh, and many scholars believe that the seven-year tribulation period can be broken up into the first three and a half years, which we'll call the tribulation period, and then the last three and a half years, which scholars have called the great tribulation period, and that's when things are going to get really, really difficult for those who are uh, left behind.
1: And just for clarity's sake, when we're talking about the main events, he's described six of these. And for review, we have the rapture, which is the next event that you described that will take place where believers are taken to be with the Lord forever. This will be followed by the tribulation, a seven-year period of judgment that you've talked about a first half. And then a second half that uh, takes place is considered the Great Tribulation. The second coming of Christ at the end of those seven years where Jesus comes back to rule and to reign at the Battle of Armageddon, which is our fourth area. And then the fifth being the destruction of Satan and then followed by the new heavens and the new earth at the end of the Millennial Kingdom where believers will be with the Lord forever. So these are just a few of the things that he talks about in his videos there on the beat. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about not just the events but also the characters as well as the main nations in the last days and application for us today. So stick with us. We'll be right back in just a moment on a view from the wall.
0: From I am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I am a Watchman Minute. Being willing to step out for God and do the unusual is a mark of spiritual maturity Consider the prophet Ezekiel. He was the son of a priest from a very distinguished family, but God told Ezekiel to do things that many thought were undignified. For example, in his preaching he utilized drama and shadow puppets and miniature props. He cut his hair and burned some and buried some and threw some to the wind. Once he allowed himself to be tied up for 430 days. He was radical for God, but also righteous before God. Ezekiel was a watchman, and watchmen faithfully follow God's leading, period. The I'm a Watchman ministry is here to help you grow in Christ and as he leads, be radical for God. Are you willing to be radical for God? Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. I am a watchman.com.
1: Welcome back to a view from the wall. This is Dylan Burroughs along with Joseph Kerr. And we've been talking with Alan Parr, host of the beat. We've been talking about the main events, the main characters and the main nations in the last days. And in this segment, we'll talk about the main characters in the last days. And there are many when you look at revelation, especially, and we can't discuss them all. So Alan, give us the short list of the five main characters that will appear during the tribulation period.
2: Yeah. So I think the, um, the villain, if you will, we'll call him the Antichrist. And we know that he goes by several different names the man of lawlessness, uh, the, the beast, uh, and so forth. And so uh, what we have to understand is that just as God has a, a triune nature in terms of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Satan tries to mimic God and he has an unholy trinity. And so you have Satan, who's referred to as the dragon, and he would be one of the uh, main characters. But then you have the Antichrist, who is essentially. Satan's version of Christ, and he's going to be uh, opposed to Christ, although at the beginning it's going to not seem as though it's that, but um, he's going to be the main political and uh, religious leader, if you will, at at least at the beginning of the Tribulation, uh, appearing to bring world peace and whatnot, uh, and so he's one of the characters. And then you have the false prophet, and he is kind of paralleled with the Holy Spirit. He does signs and wonders and and uh, impresses people with different things to cause them to believe in the Antichrist. And then you have Satan himself, and then, of course, Jesus, because, I mean, he is the one that's going to be returning and um, setting up his earthly kingdom with those that believe in Christ for a thousand years. And then I would say the last character would be a set of characters, people who are left behind. And that would be those who don't believe in Christ, as well as uh, the tribulation saints, or which is a group of people separate from the church that we believe are people who are going to accept Christ as their Savior during the seven-year tribulation period. Well,
3: let's talk about the Antichrist for just a minute, Alan. We don't usually think of the world in chaos the way it is right now, and a lot has changed in 2020, certainly not the way we saw this year coming. But I saw in uh, the news recently that the former Prime Minister of Great Britain suggested that it's time for a one-world government and a one-world leader and— wow, that just sounded so strange to imagine that the whole world could just, you know, flock after the Antichrist. Is that coming? Is it going to be that easy? Somebody just suggests it, or does it come out of this kind of chaos? Where's he come from?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in order to really get a firm understanding of the Antichrist and even really the end times, we've got to piece together scriptures from all over the Bible. I mean, when we study the end times, we've got to look at Daniel, we've got to look at Revelation, Second uh, Thessalonians. And so when you piece all that together, it appears as though the Antichrist, once again, is going to be some sort of political and spiritual leader who's basically going to appear at the beginning to be very concerned about establishing world peace and his desire to create kind of a one-world economy and government and all these different things. And according to Daniel 9 and 27, Uh, He's going to establish some sort of peace treaty with Israel, maybe guaranteeing peace from their enemies. And so as a result of that, you know, they're going to place their trust in him. Uh, Revelation 6-2 says that he's going to be coming on a white horse, which is a symbol of, um, you know, him, I guess, you know, acting like he's bringing peace to the world. And even Daniel talks about, um, refers to him as a little horn that's springing up. And so that lets us know that, you know, his origin is going to be small. He's going to start off maybe as a small, uh, you know, uh, type of uh, impact or influence, if you will. But then it's, he's going to spring up and actually be the main figure during the tribulation period. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 talks about he's going to perform signs and wonders and all of these different things. So his, he's going to ascend to that level of power over time. But he's going to be the primary figure at the beginning and throughout the seven-year tribulation
1: period. Well, I think that's a good way to describe that. But another character you talked about, and there are a set of characters you mentioned, is this concept of tribulation saints. And for many people, this is confusing because they think, well, the rapture comes, all the Christians are taken, and everyone who's left is simply just an unbeliever, right? I mean, how does this work that there are people who believe in Jesus after the rapture? Tell us a little bit about what the Bible says on this issue.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, I mean, this is amazing to me because, I mean, really, God could— just rapture all those who are alive and uh, believe in Christ. He could just rapture them up, and then uh, the rest of the people that are, um, you know, left behind, he could just send them to eternal punishment, eternal separation. But in his grace, he is going to allow those who remain another opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. But the catch is that it's going to be much more difficult for this group of people, because they're going to have to endure seven years of extreme tribulation, as we talked about before. Now, it's important for us to understand that this group is separate from the church. This is not the church. The church age will end at the time of the rapture. But during this time, there's going to be uh, around 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are going to be sharing the gospel. Many people are going to be coming to Christ during this time. And uh, the Bible says in Revelation 7:9 that there's going to be a group of tribulation saints or saints that get saved and place their faith in Christ during the tribulation that are too large to count. Uh, John sees this vision of a group of people that are innumerable, uh, that have washed their their robes white clean, and so they have uh, placed their faith in Christ. Now, the reason it's going to be difficult for this group to really uh, place their faith in Christ is because in order to buy or sell, they're going to have to take the mark of the beast, um, which means they're going to have to pledge their allegiance to the beast, which is uh, the Antichrist. And so... Uh, That's going to make it very difficult for Christians to place their faith in Christ, if you can imagine. They can't buy food, they can't sell, can't do these things. And sadly, many of them are going to be martyred as well. And Revelation chapter 20 verse 12 talks about uh, those who would be martyred, but those who endure to the end will be saved.
1: Well, that's such a good description of it. I want people to understand that this is a serious issue that when the rapture takes place, there will be all these people with questions who are wondering what has happened. Some will look to God for answers or look to scripture for answers, while others will continue in their evil ways and endure the punishments and the suffering that go along with the tribulation period. But one resource we actually have as a ministry is called the Rapture Kit. And this is a resource that's provided in part for those who are left behind after the rapture. So if you're interested in that, if you'd like more information, Information about the Rapture Kit, you can go to rapturekit.org, find out more about it. It has tremendous resources in terms of digital books and other ways that you can help share your faith with loved ones. And you can find all about it at rapturekit.org. And when we come back, we want to talk more with Alan about some of these end times events that we've described in additional detail. And I want us to take time in this last time to come back to talk about applications for today because all of these end time things matter. Uh, they do count for eternity, but what do they mean for us today living in the age that we are now? So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. and We'll be right back with more after this.
0: The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming. A time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with Him. But to receive this new life, there are three things we must do. The ABCs of salvation. A. Admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive His grace. B. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that He is Lord and God. C. Commit to walk His path, the path He wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit Am Ready?
1: Welcome back to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we've been talking with Alan Parr, host of The Beat. And we're talking in this last segment, not just about the main events or the main characters like we did previously, but also the main nations in the last days. And in this segment, we want to talk a little bit about what Ezekiel and Daniel discuss as the nations that will be involved in the last times. Now, there's one that stands out above all the rest, Alan. So talk a little bit about who is this nation of focus in the end times, and why is it such a focus?
2: Well, that nation will obviously be America, right? Of course no. course it don't... is. <laughs> oh, right. you're, you're writing
3: that book, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, obviously the nation that's going to be the primary focus during the end times is the nation of Israel. And it's interesting we're talking about that because, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago, there would be no such thing as the nation of Israel. I mean, uh, there was no such thing. You know, in 1948, uh, the nation of Israel was established once again, which on God's uh, eschatological time frame, that put the nation of Israel back on the map as far as um, God establishing certain promises and covenants that he had in the Old Testament. And so um, the reason why the nation of Israel is going to be the focus is because the land of Israel is going to be kind of the epicenter of all the end time activity that's going to be going on. Uh, you know, we talk about um, the end times and different things that are going on. Uh, you know, the Antichrist is going to be allowing the erection of a third temple. And then according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he's going to desecrate that temple as well. So you see a lot of activity going on in Israel. And uh, you may say, well, you know, why is it Israel? Why is there such a focus? Well, we know that Israel was God's chosen people, and there are many promises that God made to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament that scholars believe had yet to be fulfilled. And because we know that God's character is to be a uh, promise-keeping God, um, His promises never fail. And so in order for these promises to be fulfilled, there has to be a period of time where God fulfills some of these promises. And just a few of them would be, you know, the promise to use them to reconcile the world. That goes all the way back to Genesis 12, where, um, you know, God promises Abraham that, uh, you know, that he's going to use the nation of Israel to be a light to the world. So there's this promise that he's going to use them to reconcile the world. There's a promise of regathering them, Deuteronomy 30. There's a promise of restoring them, Amos chapter 9, Joel chapter 3. There's a promise of blessing. There's all these different blessings in the Old Testament where God is going to bless them as a promise of peace. And so as we know it in our history, none of these promises have been fulfilled uh, to the nation of Israel up to this point. And so there has to be a period of time when God is going to do that. And most biblical scholars believe that's going to be during the tribulation, but primarily in the thousand year millennial uh, reign as well.
3: You mentioned America, Alan, and that is one where there's a lot of question and a lot of speculation about that. America basically Is missing from the last days narrative, at least in any clear respect where you could say that's definitely the United States there. Netanyahu described America as Israel's greatest ally. Uh, Where is America in the last days? And let's just ask it this way. Is the reason they're not there what we're seeing happening right now that they could be taken out of the picture as easily as they have with churches closed and everything? Just a virus shuts things down.
2: You know, this is a very interesting question, and, uh, you know, scholars are kind of all over the place, but I think the best we can do is kind of just speculate in terms of, you know, what America's role is going to be during the end times, and, you know, one of the things we also have to remember is that not only is America missing uh, in the end times in terms of what the Bible talks about, but the majority of countries in the world are not mentioned in the Bible, particularly when it talks about end times, primarily because when we think about the end times... It's really about Israel, as we mentioned, and also the surrounding countries and and all the activity that's going on there. So it's no surprise that uh, America is not mentioned. Now, there's been a lot of theories that uh, theologians and scholars have kind of thrown out there to kind of attempt to answer this question in terms of, you know, why is America missing? Some have thrown out the idea of the rapture, and so if the rapture occurs and America claims to be a Christian nation, although we don't always see that in the practice, but if that is the case, and you know many many Christians are uh, raptured, then you know that could reduce all of these things I'm going to talk about could reduce America to being really not that huge on the map. You know, some have thrown out the idea of terrorism. You know, there could be a terrorist attack on our country. Some have thrown out the idea that you know we could be bankrupt by that time. I mean, at the rate in which we're going in terms of our national debt, that could be an issue. Uh, looking at more closely related issues that are going on today. Maybe a financial depression could take America off of the map, making them a second rate nation. That's really not in play by the time of these end times uh, and the rapture and and, in the tribulation period. You know, we're looking at really, really record highs of unemployment right now due to the COVID virus, the oil industry um, sickness. This virus has taken out over a hundred thousand people in our country and it's rising. So, all of this is speculation, but all these are possible things that could reduce America to being a nation that's really not in play by the time the end times come. But like I said, it's, it's very much uh, speculation uh, at this time, and the um, Bible isn't very clear on America's role in the end times.
1: Well, I like the way you describe it, where these are some potential ways that America could be involved in the end times in terms of its lack of influence. But really, when you look at what's happening in our world today, there's so much chaos, even in our own country. So people are watching and they're thinking, well, what can I do to respond? And we like to end our programs with the word of encouragement and challenge for those that we consider our watchmen or our watchwomen, those who warn and witness and watch and live to finish well in the last day. So as we wrap up our time in these last couple of minutes, but speak a word of encouragement to those who are looking to make an impact with their lives in these last days.
2: Yeah, you know, um, you know, the Bible always talks about waiting on the Lord and wait for God's return or Christ's return, and all of these things. You know, and I think that there's a couple different ways we could use that word wait. Right? I mean, you could wait like you're waiting on a bus, which is kind of passive and not doing anything, or you could wait like a waiter is waiting on somebody, where they're more much more active. And so I like to take that second approach when 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 the Bible says, you know, wait on the Lord's return. I think that means we need to be active. We need to be doing something. We need to be using our spiritual gifts. We need to be um, sharing our faith. We need to be alert, as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 talks about. Um, you know, we're not in a time where we can waste, uh, you know, people are dying and, and, and being separated from Christ on a regular basis. And so I think it's time for all Christians to step up and um, to utilize our spiritual gifts and be on purpose and be on mission for God. Uh, as opposed to just living this comfortable life where, you know, I take care of me and mine, but I'm, you know, serving God and sharing my faith and doing missions work and all these things are more secondary. If every Christian in this world or everyone that's listening to this broadcast would just step up and do their part to make serving Christ their number one priority, I think we'd see a revival um, like like none other, and we would be ready for Christ's return.
1: Well, those are some powerful words. And again, we've been talking with Alan Parr, who is the host of The Beat. You can check out his ministry at alanparr.com. That's A-L-L-E-N-P-A-R-R.com. And you can check out The Beat on YouTube. And this is a channel with over 26 million views and not just on Bible prophecy, answers to lots of questions in our society today. So check that out. If you didn't catch everything, that's okay. You can check it out at iamawatchman.com to download or stream again. So join us next time. Thanks for being with us here on A View From The Wall.